Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Okay, trying to turn it open now. Catherine? Mary! Somebody! Catherine! I got it! Not death. I wonder sometimes. Here goes. Yeah, it's the starter. That is definitely the starter. The starter is starting to make us late. We all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk to work every day. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Or sit in the back of the bus. <laughs> I won't do neither. I'll hitchhike. Girls. No crime in a broken down car. No crime being Negro, me. Button it up, Mary. Nobody wants to go to jail behind your mouth. I'll do my best, sugar. Not a great place for three y'all be having car trouble. We didn't pick the place, officer. It picked us. You being disrespectful? No, sir. You have identification on me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're just on our way to work at Langley. NASA, sir. We do a great deal of the calculating, getting our rockets into space. All three of you? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, officer. NASA? That's some. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. Russians are watching us right now. Sputniks. You girls ever meet those astronauts? Mercury 7? Absolutely. Uh, yes, sir. We work with those gentlemen all the time. Those boys are the best we got. I'm sure of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get a man up there before the commies do. Absolutely. That's for certain. Hard being of service broken down on the side of the road, though. Right, right. Uh, what, y'all need a tow or something? No, thank you, officer. I, I think I gotta just give me my. Just need to bypass the starter. <laughs> She's good at this stuff. Woo! That a girl. We're all set. Well, hell, least I can do is give y'all an escort. I imagine you're running late to work. Oh no, so we wouldn't want to bother that you. That would be wonderful, officer. Thank you so much, sir. Follow me. I'm driving. Hurry up, George, before he changes his mind. We're coming. Hold your horses. Look at here. women are chasing a white police officer down the highway in Hampton, Virginia, 1961. Ladies, that there is a God-ordained miracle. <laughs> and tomorrow, I'm riding the bus. <laughs> Welcome to At The Movies, week three. Here in Hampton, Virginia, 
right across the street from the Virginia Air and Space Center. And today we're watching Hidden Figures. What a movie! The true story of three African-American women who in the early 60s were the brains behind one of the greatest achievements in the last century, launching John Glenn into space and setting the stage for the space program and what is now known as the space race. But the movie Hidden Figures is about so much more than that. It reminds us that a time not too long ago when people would use different bathrooms, drink from different fountains, ride on the back of the bus just because the color of their skin. Here at Vertical Church, we're not afraid to wade into difficult conversations and topics. Now, back to the movie, Katherine Johnson is promoted as a computer for the Space Task Group, who's ultimately assigned to launch John Glenn's mission into space. Her promotion, however, wasn't accepted by everybody. Sweaters are preferred to blouses. No jewelry. A simple pearl necklace is the exception. Your supervisor is Mr. Al Harrison, director of the Space Task Group. You'll write research, proof calculation, and so forth. Do not talk to Mr. Harrison unless he talks to you. Not many computers last more than a few days. He's been through a dozen in as many months. Come on, keep up. Things move fast around here. Your clearance. They've never had a colored in here before, Catherine. Don't embarrass me. wasn't emptied last night. I'm sorry, I'm not the custodian. Excuse me, ma'am. Mr. Harrison's computer report. Take the desk in the back. I'll get you working in a bit. Mr. Harrison won't warm up to you. Don't expect it. Do your work. Keep your head down. Thank you. Go on. Get settled. Remember, this movie is set in a time when racial division and discrimination were a blatant reality. I found myself getting emotional watching. I was angry and agitated. I wanted to yell at the screen, wait, that's not fair. Somebody should stop this. See, racism in every shape and form is wrong. Racism isn't a skin issue, it's a sin issue. It's completely incongruent with everything scripture says. Now that's obvious, but there is a real difficulty and tension here for many of us. Because the further away from a problem we are, the simpler the solution looks. 
But the closer we get, the more complex the issue is. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say you're having a marriage issue and you tell a friend about it and your friend responds by saying, you just need to go home and tell your spouse how it is and blah, blah. It's easy for you to say because you're far away. Or if you're having a parenting issue and they say, you just need to lock them down, take the door off the hinges. The solution seems simple because the problem is far away. When it comes to racism and policing and profiling, when we respond by saying, hey, just behave and do what you're told, well, we can say that because the solution seems simple, because the problem is far away. What do we do? How can we be brought closer? Martin Luther King Jr. said this in 1962. He said, I am convinced that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. And they don't know each other because they don't communicate with each other. And they don't communicate with each other because they are separated from each other. Many of us, if we would be honest and admit it, we are so much further away from the problem than we realize. Even if we work together, even if our kids go to school together, even if we go to the same gym or the same Y, see the first step is to get closer, to start walking through life with people who are different than you. Not live so separated, but begin to see their day to day. Because when we get closer, we see things differently. Really? Yes, Give me sir. the cape on the line. Shepard's trajectories need to be updated. Wow. Where is she? You and I are different from each other. But I remember I see numbers. Black and white were computers, I am color. You're not where I need you to be. It's not my imagination. Now, where the hell do you go every day? To the bathroom, sir. To the bathroom. For 40 minutes a day? What are you doing there? We're T-minus zero here. I put a lot of faith in you. There's no bathroom for me here. What do you mean there's no bathroom for you there here? There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. 
Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog, day and night, living off a of coffee from a pot none of you want to touch. Excuse me if I have to go to the restroom a few times a day. No more white restrooms. Just plain old toilets. Here at NASA, we all pee the same color. If you were like me and you, you watched that movie, you're probably cheering Catherine on as she makes her speech in front of everybody, kind of like, yeah, you go, girl, you tell everybody what's up, right? Because nobody cared. Why? Because nobody was close to the problem. Nobody walked with her day in and day out. Nobody actually lived life with her. She just lived among them. And the reality is, look, we can look back and we know it was wrong that she had to use a different bathroom. It was wrong that she had to use a different coffee pot. It was wrong because racism is wrong, period. Like, we know that. But what we don't realize, for many of us, many, many of us who come from, you know, a, 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 a white background, is that the solution looks simple when you're far from the problem. And so what do we do? Well, Scripture actually talks a lot about racism, and I want to I show you that. Uh, when, when Christianity began, like 2,000 years ago, at the very birth of the Christian movement, there was a lot of racial tension. 
You may not be aware of this if you're not a student of, of history and New Testament and that time period. There was a lot of racial tension in the area where the, the, the Christian movement began. In fact, there weren't two types of people. There weren't just two groups. There were five different types of people in and around the area where the, the Christian movement began. And I want to show you this on the screen. First, we had, there, there were Jews. And that's where, that's where the movement began. That's who Jesus was. That's who all of his early followers, that's the group they were a part of. And they looked down on everybody. <laughs> they looked down on everybody because everyone was beneath them because they had not received the moral law from God. So they were superior to everyone else around them. And number two, you had the Gentiles. And the Gentiles looked at the Jews as if the Jews thought they were better than everybody else because... They thought they were better than everybody else. And so the Gentiles weren't welcome in Jewish homes. Jewish people didn't go to Gentile homes. They didn't, they didn't mix. They were like oil and water. They didn't go together. And the Gentiles resented the Jews because of the prideful arrogance that the Jews conducted themselves with. And then you had slaves. And these people were slaves either because they had been conquered or because they were in debt or, or, or for a variety of reasons, but they were slaves. They had no rights. And then you had freedmen. These were former slaves who had been who had been who, who had bought their way out of slavery or who had earned their way out of slavery or who had just been for whatever reason gifted their freedom. Well, the slaves didn't like the freedmen, and the freedmen didn't like the slaves, and they didn't like the Jews. So so you had and then underneath all of that, you had the women who had less rights than anybody. And so you have these five groups of people. And when Jesus shows up on the scene and he begins the church and then he ascends, all of a sudden you have all five groups of people trying to attend church together. And they hated each other. But somehow the church figured out how to work together and move beyond the division that their culture tried to impress upon them. You, you don't, no, 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 people like you don't go, no, 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 we are the church. And I think the, the reason I want to talk about this today is because I don't know if you know this, but it might be 2,000 years after Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. It might be 50 years after, what is it, more than 50 years after the setting of hidden figures, but there's still a lot of racial tension in the world. I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't know if you've been watching the news. I don't know if you've been reading your Facebook page, but there's a lot of racial tension in our culture. And the reality is 2,000 years ago, the church was the solution. 2,000 years ago, the church was the place where people from different backgrounds came together because they had something in common that trumped everything they had different, and that was Jesus. It was a love for the gospel, and it was a passion for Christ, and what they had in common was greater than what divided them. And in fact, one of the early leaders, his name was Peter. If you grew up in church, you probably know Peter, uh, the, the Peter who denied Christ three times, right? Peter who, who walked on water and then sank and then Jesus came to get him. Peter who on the day of Pentecost preaches and 3,000 people like give their life to Jesus. That Peter, one of the leaders of the early church, 15 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven, so Jesus, Acts chapter uh, 1, you know, I'm, I'm going, you're not going to see me, boom, he's gone. Why are, you, why are you people standing here looking into the sky? He'll come back the same way he left. They go, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit falls, Acts chapter 2. Fifteen years later, 
Peter's seen all sorts of things. He's had plenty of time for Jesus to work on him. He's been spirit-filled for 15 years. He's had the Holy Spirit moving and working on the inside of him. He's preached. He saw, he's, he's seen people healed. He's seen, he's seen miracles happen through his own work. He, he's seen it all. He saw the empty tomb. He was there. He went inside. He had breakfast with the resurrected Christ on the beach after, after the crucifixion. He saw it all, and still he doesn't like Gentiles. Fifteen years after Jesus resurrected. After he got saved, after he got filled with the Spirit, he doesn't like Gentiles. In fact, he thinks they're inferior to him. We're talking about Peter here, okay? Put, put him on the pedestal. Look at his stat. Peter. I mean, he, he knows that God loves them, but God doesn't love them as much as he loves me because I'm Jewish. And it was this huge divide. In fact, it was a huge divide in the church. What do we do? Gentiles are kind of hanging around. What? What do we do? Peter liked to go up on the rooftop to pray. Uh, it was his quiet time. He, he liked to get alone with God, go up on the roof and, and just pray and, and, and seek God. And, and, and one day God interrupts his quiet time. And, and God interrupts it and it gives him a vision. And basically God tells Peter, he says, Peter, I want you to go up the coast and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you to go into this Gentile home. I've got something to do there. And Peter says, hold up, God, what? Gentile home? God, I have never been in a Gentile home. I don't, I don't go into that kind's home. Think of Peter. Peter, Apostle Peter, wrote first and second Peter, was there when Jesus was crucified, Peter, was preaching on the day of cause, Peter. God, I don't, I don't go in Gentile homes. I'm better than they are. They're, they're, they're beneath me, they're inferior. Well, Peter, I don't want you to just go to any Gentile home. Peter, I want you to go to a centurion's home, which for Peter is basically like, I want you to go visit a terrorist. God, I, I don't know about that. And I want to show you what Peter says because it illustrates just how big of an issue this was, how deeply divided, how something like racism can even hide in the heart of leaders of the church who are spirit-filled like Peter. Look at this, Acts chapter 10, verse 27. He finally agrees, and he goes with this guy to this house. And look what happens. So he's there at the house, and he's about to walk in. While talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. I imagine that like he gets to the, to the doorway, right? And he kind of stands there, and he's like looking around, and it's like, maybe if I hold my breath, I won't have to breathe in Gentile air because they'll, content, they'll get me dirty. Like, I don't want to be dirty and so he's like you know but he can't hold his breath and talk at the same time so he kind of and he looks around and it's a Luke says it's a large gathering of people meaning the house is packed meaning this is the largest group of Gentiles Peter has ever been around in his life meaning there are friends and family and co-workers there's, there's all kinds of people there and look what Peter says out loud he says this out loud look at this he says to them, this whole group of Gentiles, he says, you are well aware, meaning everybody knows this. This is not a secret. You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, he says, you're, everybody knows that whether or not you invited me, my kind doesn't associate with your kind. My kind doesn't go in your kind's house. 
my kind doesn't invite your kind over for dinner. We don't do that. My kind isn't seen with your kind because of what it would say about us. And that's how Peter starts his sermon. That's the beginning of his message. He acknowledges it because everybody knows it. Everybody knows that deep inside the Jewish heart, there was this seed of racism, this discrimination. They didn't like them because they were different than them. But look what he goes on to say. The second part of verse 28, he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean, meaning up until now, I considered you impure. In fact, up until now, I used words and names and derogatory statements about your kind that meant you were impure and unclean. And it's kind of like, wait, wait, Peter, God had to show you that? <laughs> you didn't know that was wrong? Like, you've been walking with Jesus and you didn't know that was wrong? Like, we hear you, Peter, but gosh, the way you're talking right now, I'm not sure that you, you don't still believe that. The way you're acting, the, way you're, the, the words you're saying, I don't know that we believe you, Peter, that you're actually here, like, like that you don't believe you should call us those names. Are you still calling people names? Do you still label whole groups of people impure, unclean, lazy, entitled, whining, prideful? Do, do you look at a whole culture, a whole people group, and just assign them a label? Peter says, God showed me that I shouldn't do that anymore. And it's kind of like, God had to show you that. Awesome. But, but, but let's emphasize that. Let's, let's go to the next one. I want to, I want to emphasize that. But God has... Shown me. God, meaning, God has done something in me, and now I see things differently. God has, God has done something, and God had to show Peter, and finally he got it. God had to expose something on the inside of Peter in order for Peter to see it for what it was. Are you open to God exposing something inside of you? Are you open for God to show you something about yourself that you might not like, that you might thought you might have thought was buried, and you might have thought, I don't, I don't deal with that, and then God, God pulls the curtain, and you're like, oh gosh, God, that's in there. God had to show Peter, Peter, God had to show him what was in his heart. And how did God do it? By getting Peter close to the problem. Peter had to get close to people he he, he had so much differences with so many differences with he had to get close to them and when he got close to them and 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 saw them and lived like had life with them then his eyes were opened and he realized hey the solution to this problem isn't as simple as i thought it was god had to show him are you open to god showing you something that might be in your heart that you didn't even know was there well what happened well Five years later, there's this big meeting in Jerusalem. We call it the Jerusalem Council. It takes place in Acts chapter 15. And if you've never read Acts chapter 15, I would encourage you to go home today, open your Bible, start at Acts 1, and don't stop until you finish 15, kind of so you can get the whole context. But what happens is basically in Acts chapter 15, in this council, this, this big meeting, the, the church, the New Testament church, finally unhitches itself from an Old Testament way of thinking, and they welcome fully Gentiles into the church. And because they made that decision, you and I are here today. Like, if you are not a Jewish person, if you're not from the Jewish uh, ethnic group, like, you're a Gentile. And you're here because believers in Acts 15 decided, you know what? 
God wants all people in his church. And God wants everybody to come together under the name of Jesus. And what happens is they make theological concessions, religious concessions, but not just theological and religious concessions. They make cultural concessions so that there may be unity among believers of Jesus. Read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Acts chapter 15. And I say all of that to say, I believe there is hope. Because we know it changed. We know that at one time in the history of our world, when racism and racial divide was all over the place and groups were segmented, there was a group of people that rose up that somehow managed to overcome everything that sought to divide them. And I believe the same thing can happen today. But here's where it has to, it doesn't begin in society. It doesn't begin on your Facebook page. It doesn't begin out in the world somewhere. It begins in the church. That's why we're having this conversation today. Because it has to begin here. Why does it have to begin here, Pastor Josh? Because we know the church can because the church already did. We know the church can make a difference because the church did make a difference. We know that the church can tackle this issue because the church already did tackle this issue. We know the church can because the church did. I don't want to leave you hanging on the movie if you haven't seen it. So um, let's, go, let's go back to the movie. Um, after long hours of work and after months and months and delays and days, and de- the, the team was finally ready to launch John Glenn's mission. But before they did, he wanted a personal contact, a personal assurance from from the person he trusted most just to go over the numbers. Let's roll that one last clip, and then we'll close the message out. The IBM's been spot on up to this point, John, but we'll run it again, see what it comes up with. I'm going to be honest with you, Al. When I fly, I fly the machine. And right now, it seems like this machine's flying me. We're on the same page, John. Our guys are on it. Let's get the girl to check the numbers. The girl? Yes, sir. You mean Catherine? Yes, sir. The smart one. I mean, she says they're good. I'm ready to go. All right, we'll get into it. Roger. Sam. Go find Catherine Goble. She needs to verify Glenn's go, no go, or stay on the ground. Yes, sir. Catherine Goble. It's Catherine Johnson now. They need you to verify these coordinates. All right, give us some space so to work. As we await Colonel John Glenn's launch, a truly historic day for America. The country has waited for several months through many failed unmanned Atlas rocket tests and 10 scheduled manned attempts, which were canceled for various mechanical or system complications. Even when All the final tests and checks are being conducted. John Glenn is ready to board the French Ship 7. But today, we remain truly optimistic, and it's a go day in all regards. The capsule is ready. The rocket itself is A-OK, and the weather here at Cape Canaveral is... Anything from Langley? Light uh, yeah. 
We are being told that Mission Control at NASA is conducting a final check of the launch and recovery coordinates, including the go-no-go -no -go calculations, so crucial to a safe and successful launch and recovery. After years of waiting and months of delay, Colonel Glenn is finally ready for that space flight that we've been waiting for with so much anticipation. The checks could indicate a hesitancy on NASA's behalf, but let us say without reservation that the safety of Colonel John Glenn is paramount to the mission and to the nation itself. No, sir, we're still a go. Yes, sir. What the devil are you doing? Are you taking a break? At 14. Catherine. Come on. Sir, we've got Pad 14 on the box. All right, let me in there. This is Langley. We have the coordinates confirmed. Stand by, Langley. We can confirm the go no go point for reentry is 16.11984 degrees latitude, minus 165.2356 degrees longitude. The launch window is a go. The landing coordinates match. Well, that is very good news, Al. It's uh, a little hard to trust something you can't look in the eyes. That's right, Colonel. Catherine did manage to calculate a few decimal points further than that hunk of metal. Well, I will take every digit you got. Be sure to thank her for me. Gentlemen, let's launch this rocket. Good luck, Friendship 7. Godspeed, Langley. Here at Cape Canaveral, the countdown has resumed as Colonel John Glenn is now aboard the Friendship 7 high above the Atlas rocket on pad 14, a height of over 93 feet. When it comes to being a Jesus follower, I think there's one question that we have to ask, and it's this right here, you see it on the screen. What does love require of me? 
you've heard me say that time and time again in different messages in different forms. What does love require of me? And when it comes to this issue, it requires us to walk together. It requires us to be actually involved in each other's lives. Martin Luther King Jr. said this in 1967 in a lecture he gave. He said, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Can I be honest with you? Just gut-level honest, raw, and real. Um, I'm silent sometimes because I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to say. I recognize that I'm far from an issue, and I don't want to oversimplify something. I don't want to, I don't want to approach it and, and oversimplify it because I recognize I'm far from it. So sometimes I'm silent because I don't know what to say. And so I've been asking, I've been talking to different people, listening in on different conversations, asking people, what, what, what do you need to hear in this moment? Like, I, I want to be, but I recognize I'm far away, and, and, and I put together from several different people what, what I believe, for those of you, and I'm just going to like be real and raw, for those of you who are white, what you really just need to post on Facebook, okay? This is it. This is what you need to say when, when people start talking about race, race racism and racial issues. You need to say this, and it'll be on the screen. I may have no idea the complexities of this issue, but I love and am praying for my brothers and sisters. That's all you need to say. That's it. I don't, I'm not, I recognize I am so far away that I don't understand the complexities of this issue. It looks simple to me, but that's because I've got a great distance. <coughs> So I don't, I don't understand, but I love you, and I'm praying for you. See, here at Vertical Church, we're not afraid to jump into issues like this because we believe Jesus came to bring freedom, not just freedom from sin or freedom from hell when we die, but freedom from the bondage that we place on each other and the bondage that in turns captivates us. And so we just say, I, I, I don't understand. I, have no, I may have no idea about all of the complexities and intricacies of this issue. But I love you. And I'm praying for you because you're my brother in Jesus. Or you're my sister in Christ. See here, we're not, a, we're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. I get things all wrong all the time. But we want to be real. And we want to be raw. And when we see sin, we want to smack it in the face and deal with it and love each other through this. And again, why are we talking about this? Because I am convinced that the church has to be at the center of this conversation. Why? Because the church already has solved it. We, we know the church can because the church did. And only in the church are we taught that every person, regardless of race, creed, color, where they come from, what language they speak, who their parents are, any, every person is created in the image of God and deserving love and respect. Only the church teaches that. That's where that, that's where that message originates with Jesus. Every person. I can't mistreat God's children and still get along with God. I can't mistreat God's kids and still expect to be in right relationship with God. The church can because the church has. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, that, um, that here at Vertical Church we can tackle and dive into issues just like this. And today, Lord, I pray for freedom from sin, sin that would try to uh, uh, hold us in bondage, sin that would be hiding in our hearts. Lord, racism is nearly impossible to see in the mirror because it camouflages itself in our hearts. 
And this morning, we may be here and we may be thinking, well, that's just my culture and that's just how I was raised and that's just my taste. And Lord, would you, would you show us like you did, Peter, if there's anything in our hearts? I want to ask you right now, right there where you sit, would you just ask God to show you just like he did for Peter? Just tell him right now, pray this, make this prayer yours. Say, God, show me, search me, God. See if there's anything in my heart that is offensive to you. Just pray that to him and ask him. Listen, he'll be faithful. He'll show you just like he did for Peter. He showed Peter. He can show you. Just ask him. Say, God, show me. Search me. Lord, if there's anything offensive in my heart, would you expose it just like you did for Peter and lead me in the way of everlasting life? Lord, help me to spot it. And when you show it, God, help me to despise it. Give me the courage, God, to eradicate it from my heart. Lord, right now we pray for our country. We recognize, God, that there are people on, on all sorts of different sides of this and issues of, 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 of culture and upbringing and, and all sorts of nuances, some of which we don't understand, some of which we probably do understand. God, my prayer for my brothers and sisters is that, that we would see clearly that we would see differently. God, that you would expose the ugliness that's inside. We would repent and we would ask for your Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Lord, we pray for our country. We pray, God, that, that, that a spirit of unity would arise. Lord, that we would see our brothers and sisters in the light of Jesus, in the light of Christ, that we would not trivialize or, or try to dismiss their words and their opinions but that we would honor each other as fellow created beings by God Almighty. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.